Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, 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 welcome to Playboys episode 12. With myself, the Dean, we've got Alex and not Dark Place, Robert, you've transformed. Um, not like, you don't like being called that, I've heard, so we're just going to call you Robert. Thank you don't really have a title anymore. The artist is formerly known as Dark Place Robert. Thanks. I was going to call you Light Place that. Robert. I was going to do Light Place Robert, like Dark Jack in the Jack and Daxter games, and then he's Light Jack. Um, and I thought you would appreciate the gaming reference, uh, so I didn't do it. Okay, I, I appreciate <laughs> that you didn't do it. <laughs> so guys, um, which play are we doing today? Well, are we calling it by uh, the original name or its current name? I I was just going to call it the Merchant of Venice. Do you want to do you want to fill us works. in on the on the name? Oh, it was also known as the Jew of Venice. There we go. Let's not call it that. Yeah, I, I think we shouldn't. But uh... <laughs> I didn't know that actually. Yeah, I so it's kind of like there's another story that's similar to it called the Jew of Malta, and so it's yes, a similar type of feeling as that. Okay, I think I've heard of the Jew of Malta. Is that um, uh, what's the guy's name? I can't remember the, the playwright. Oh, I can look it up, but I do not actually remember off the top of my head. Is it not the guy who did Tamberlane and Marlow? It was Marlow. Yeah, Marlow. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was Marlow. Okay, so is this Shakespeare ripping off Marlow or Marlow ripping off Shakespeare? Do we know? Uh, well, they were written about the same time. Uh, okay. Well, they were. I think they knew each other. You know, they were colleagues so it yeah. could have been you know dual inspiration it might not have been it looks that. like it was eight years wasn't after marlowe oh eight some... years after but wasn't there also some talk that marlowe had been to venice but um shakespeare had never been i have heard that oh, but then it's, it's just it's one of these conspiracy theories you hear and i don't know if i should believe it or not but i'm also not interested enough to find out mm. Well, I mean, I think it's fair to say that Shakespeare probably never went. Whether Marlowe did, I don't know, you know. Hmm. What's interesting as well is Shakespeare himself, if he never left the country, probably never met any Jewish person in his life. And yeah, I think there's a a fairly decent probability of that, actually. (laughs) Yeah. So... What was interesting, I was looking it up, uh, Jews weren't even allowed to practice in England from 1290 up until the mid-1600s. Wow, I didn't realize after it was so late. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the conditions were pretty terrible. And uh, in Venice as well, it they were basically forced to live in a ghetto. Um, and instead of a gold star of David, they had to wear red hats. Wow. So you'll always see Shylock in a red hat. Okay, so yeah, yeah, so Shakespeare might not be the best authority for what he's writing about then. The Merchant of Venice. I think we can all agree this is pretty anti-Semitic. Uh, I don't think there's any... Yeah, yeah. There. 
Yeah, that's that's the elephant in the room. I suppose we might as well address it early. Um, and for anyone listening, we are aware of the anti-Semitic themes in the play. <laughs> it's pretty. I mean, yeah, it, it can get it gets pretty rough a few times. But um, we'll talk about Shylock later because I think we might. You know, although we appreciate that there is anti-Semitism in the play, I do think we have different takes on Shylock. Um, so yes, that's going to be what I want to discuss later. Yeah, I think that'll be that'll be interesting. Um, before I go through like who's actually in the play, can we get like the one sentence kind of, did you like the play? I liked it. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. There we go. And Robert? Um, yeah. Um, I like the play. I like a lot of the themes that happen throughout the play. Um, I like the scenes with the Doctor. I like the scenes with uh, the three chests as well. It, I don't yes. know, something about that is just very... I don't know. It resonates with myself, I guess. Scenes with the chest is very classic. It's almost like a fairy tale scene, you know. Like I can, mm. I can imagine that being something that you, that you yeah. would, you would see in a fairy tale with with the children's stories, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. I suppose that's the simplicity behind it is just it's quite nice. Well, it's... let's let's talk about who's in the play, shall we? So, um, I think we'll mention him first since we've already sort of talked about him, but we have Shylock. The description just says a Jew. So Sherlock is a Jew. And um, we know that rather stereotypically, he does some money lending. Okay. And hmm. um, he has a friend, Tubal, who's, you know, we don't really see all that much, um, but we'll just mention him um, right now. And he also has a daughter, Jessica, and she has a suitor, Lorenzo. Um, and they seem to be in love, um, but there's the kind of political and religious divide, I suppose. Um, and Lorenzo's part of this little pack of lads, which is Graciano, Solanio, and Salerio. None of whom are really all that important, I wouldn't think. And then Antonio and Bassano, Bassanio, who are the two kind of key players in that in that gang. Hmm. Um, Antonio is the Merchant of Venice, so he's he's the titular character. Although you could argue he's not really like I think Bassanio is probably more important to some of the plot elements um, at times. I would... <laughs> definitely agree. Yeah, Bassanio definitely. I mean, he's the one who the comedy part is all about, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so. Bassanio is, is more key. Um, and so he kind of gets left out at the end, I would say, as well. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We also have a few we other. We say Antonio is the Merchant of Venice. I think it can also be debated that Shylock is. You could, yeah, you could, you could argue that. Um, my my dramatist persona says it's Antonio, but at the same time, yeah, like Shylock, um, that, that that description fits him too perfectly. I mean, yeah. just going by the uh, the original title as well. Yeah, yeah, that's why I think of it that way, and that makes sense. I think uh, to be fair, we then have princes of Aragon and Morocco who really only appear in in one scene as suitors <laughs> to uh, Lady Portia and then the Duke of Venice who's the usual Shakespearean duke that they kind of consult to wrap up things um, so we mentioned Portia she's a rich heiress we have Nerissa her wedding maid and then as I say these princes go over to kind of be her her suitors and she's a few servants that aren't really that important Stefano and Balthazar and more or less I think that's the entire cast apart from um I've left at one or two, Leonardo, Bassanio's servant, not all that important, and the Klein. So the Klein yeah, is Lancelot Gobbo and his his father, old Gobbo. And those are, you know, I, again, I always said the Kleins could have been left out. I don't never really feel they add all that much to the plays. <laughs> but And this clown, uh, Gobbo, is not too bright. Uh, pun intended for the theatre people out there. Uh, if you don't <laughs> get it, a Gobbo is a metal piece used for lighting. Uh, anyway. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to get into 
that too much. But yeah, I think that's everyone. Lancelot, he's the one who kind of progresses the story here and there. He's the messenger yeah. a lot of the time, but he is also a servant, but I, you don't really see him serve much. No, he's not uh, He's not a great servant based no. on the amount of serving I see him do, which is it's almost nil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he apparently gets someone pregnant later. That goes nowhere. In a uh, weird, in a weird throwaway line, um, yeah, and that that bit makes me makes me sad because, well, apart from Shylock, you know, everybody else ends up with someone. They're all coupled off, and then Lancelot's not important, so they don't give him a scene of coupling off. They just mention, oh yeah, he got that girl pregnant, and poor Antonio, poor little single Antonio, is left all on his own, and I feel really <laughs> sad. I think just mentally traumatized. <laughs> Antonio got to walk away with his life, so I think he's all right. He's yeah. married. He's married yeah. to happiness and living. Yeah, that's his true love. <laughs> and he, he does get some uh, cargo later, so he does make some money. Yeah, he does. So I think that's yeah. Okay, that's he gets a happy ending. He does. It's just yeah. um, the others all. There's like three, three, three couples paired off, and then Antonio's just standing there, like, well, what am I meant to do, guys? One other interesting thing I came across was uh, in the 1920s. Uh, someone wrote a sequel to this play and in the sequel all the marriages are unhappy everyone's unhappy except for Shylock Shylock's the only person who is uh, doing well for himself because he's made even more money um, and even more money because well I'm not going to spoil it yet but some changes happen that uh, people are going to be less likely to uh, not work with him I should say Okay, that's very interesting. And I mean, is that sequel something what? relatively contemporary, or is it something that was written? Thank you, know, more Okay, um, okay. I'd have to take a look again. Um, who wrote it? No, I was just curious if it was a modern thing, or if you know it was like a contemporary of Shakespeare who'd, who'd written it maybe a few years later or whatever. But no, it's it's oh. relatively modern. No, no. Okay. That's uh, that's curious because I that's... never knew that. I'd actually like to like to potentially read that sometime. So, oh, I mean, that's... from uh, Saint John Irvine. I don't know. I the mean, Lady of Belmont. Essentially, this just counts as fan fiction, though. Yeah, three hundred years later, I think it's fanfic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, shall we get started? So we're set, obviously, in Venice and sometimes in Belmont, um, hence the Lady of Belmont, which is, I guess, Portia. Um, first character we meet is antonio and he's sad he's sad yeah do we know why he's sad um not really no i mean at the beginning he's doing all right he's expecting a lot of money to come in from his ventures he's nothing to worry about yet but he's just sad because you know he's moody i don't know all right yeah because i i didn't get it either they ask him and then they kind of just don't answer I mean, they eliminate all the reasons why he's why he's not possibly sad. <laughs> not because he's in love or there's anything wrong. Um, yeah. They do, yeah. They, they, they rule uh-huh. out love and then Solario a... says you're still not married. So, I don't know. Yeah, maybe he's just had, like, I don't know, depressing day. Like We've all been there. That's essentially it. He's just sad because he's not happy. Yeah, and that happens. 
Yeah, it does. I mean, it is, it's, it's fair. It's just not explained, which is unusual, I think, in, in the play. But yeah, it's, it is quite believable, you know. So he's in there talking with Solario. I always confuse these two, Solario and Solanio. Um, yeah. In my mind, are just interchangeable, you know, friend of Antonio. They could have just been called friend. Um, <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I, I can see them just being twins or something. And Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Um, we also then um, enter... Bassanio, Lorenzo, Lorenzo, and Graciano. Um, so that is the whole gang. They're all together and they're having a wee chit chat. But then twins, Salario and Salanio leave um, really once they arrive, to be honest. So we just kind of have a little shift in, in characters. But I suppose really the purpose of this first scene is to tell us that Antonio is sad and then to just introduce the gang. That's more or less what happens here. Yeah, Bassanio uh, starts the plot saying that he hears there's this uh, woman, beautiful woman, who is needing to get married at some point, uh, and he needs a lot of money to go see her. Yes, now this is something that I find interesting, because Porsche is already aware of Bassanio, so they've met before, and I wonder why he didn't try the casks. Yes, there is a scene where, so he mentions, and he gives the impression that he had met her before, I think, but then if you read later, Portia, there's a, there's a part where Nerissa asks Portia about the different men that they've met, and she mentions Bassanio by name as being one that she liked. And I don't know why he didn't try the casks back then. My only thinking is that perhaps her dad was still alive at that time and the casks weren't a thing yet, but they just liked each other. I don't know. I think that makes more sense. Yeah. So now he's coming as a suitor. And it's not, it's not explicitly mentioned, and in a sense, it's not important. Um, but it just, I just, you know, I was curious, like, well, they've already met, so didn't they get together then? But, you know, I've theorized that maybe the dad was still alive. Yeah, potentially. So, yeah, so guys, what's the plan here then? Antonio is going to help um, Bassanio, right? Yes. Yeah. Bassanio needs 3,000 ducats. I don't know how to pronounce it. I think ducats uh, will do. Yeah, I'm not sure myself. Ducats, sure. And Antonio... Um, He's a merchant, so generally has a lot of money, but he doesn't have it in cash with him now. Is so it's not thing. liquid. Exactly. So he needs to basically be a guarantor for Bassanio to get the 3,000 ducats. And that's where Shylock comes in later. Yes. It is, yeah. So that's, that's essentially the first scene. And I, I think it's interesting that the others do all leave and at the end of the scene it's just Antonio and Bassanio. So I think by the end of the first scene, you realise, well, we've met a whole gang of lads here, but these two are the actual important ones. They're the ones advancing the plot at the end of the scene. So, And that's that's correct. The others are really not that important. Um, we move to scene two. We totally shift. We're over in Belmont and it's time to meet our other characters. We have Portia and her waiting maid, I guess, or kind of servant or, or her companion, uh, Nerissa. Do you guys care about Nerissa? I find it really hard to kind of care about her. Uh, I, give, I guess she gives Portia somebody to talk to. I mean, a lot of this would all just be a soliloquy if it wasn't for herself. And they are the two bitches. Um, <laughs> they're, they're not exactly the nicest people. Really? Hmm. I mean, they go around, they're pointing at people and then they're commenting about, you know, oh, look at this person. Uh, you know, I can't remember what the exact lines are, but they're making. Oh, 
Yeah, I don't remember if it was this. Yeah, okay. I think it was the scene when Narissa brings up all these people that yes, it's here. can suit. And then Portia shuts all of them down saying, oh, this one drinks. Oh, this one is uh, boring. Yeah. Is boring. Yeah. Something like that. So, so yeah, they're not exactly the best. Okay. People, I didn't think we were going to disagree this early in the scene. I thought Portia was supposed to be a kind of paragon of virtue at this point. Yeah. I think we're supposed to in a way. Um, but when I was watching it, uh, what was it? Two years ago, I guess now. Um, I actually thought Narissa was an interesting character, but okay. I guess it was just the portrayal of her. They kind of had her and Portia be almost equal. Right. Yeah. That would make it more interesting. Whereas, you know, just from reading it, I feel like, well, here's Portia. She's a character. And then more or less, as Robert says, Narissa is just something for her to talk to. You know, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. But like, even like Graciano is kind of a big side character so for well they end up getting married like Narissa does get quite a few lines throughout I feel yeah okay maybe I'm being harsh on her I just compared to Portia I didn't care about her all that much but no I think at this point and I, I do take your point Robert but I really liked Portia because this is a girl who's not allowed to marry for love she's there with her wedding maid as far as I can tell they do nothing they're just kind of hanging around spending their days with people coming to say I want to marry you doing the caskets and then being so selfish that they they can't solve a very very easy task because they're so full of themselves just a bunch of you know <laughs> old lecherous rich princes and she's just annoyed with them by this by this stage so I, I you know when she says well this guy's you know i don't like this guy and palantine and all these other chaps and the french lord and lebron i'm like yeah i, I guess you wouldn't because they were all just a bunch of poncy rich selfish princes who didn't really love you like so okay. I empathize with her, but you know, it is a fair take. We just, that's kind of how I saw it. And it's at the end of this scene where they mentioned Bassanio. So she did um, mention that she had met him before. All right. Fair enough. And we might want to go into a little bit of what you mean by the three caskets. There's, uh, well, there's three different like boxes basically that you can choose from. Uh, and the test is choose the right one with her picture inside, and then you get to marry her. And so far, no one's chosen the right one. There's three of them. One's gold, one's silver, one's lead. Uh, give you one chance to choose which one's the right one. You're not uh, allowed to tell anyone what you chose. Obviously, that would help the next guy. Yeah, of course, of course. And it seems everyone's a man of their word. So they're not Yeah, not one of them. They're all just like, well, I have failed. I accept my failing and off I go. Yeah. Well, well, what do we I think mean, here? Like, this was a very, very easy task, right? Like, this is why I say it's almost fairy tale simple. Like, a child could understand this. Like, I don't, it's almost unbelievable that any of these princes could get it wrong. Well, obviously, like, it's, yeah, this is also 400 years ago. So we know that, we know this now, but at the time it might have been a little bit more challenging i guess like why wouldn't you choose the gold because like what does the gold say um i wrote them down who chooseth me shall oh shall uh, get obtain what all other men, get what desire. men desire yeah yeah and like the logic for the guys are not that bad like the last one the lead one says who chooseth me must give and hazard all he hath 
And yeah, but I mean, you're looking for love, right? The idea is that you're supposed to give all of yourself to Portia, which which I understand. And oh, yeah. I, yeah. I get that the very first person to try this might be thinking, oh, so gold I get all I want, silver I get all I deserve. It's got to be one of those two, right? But then... The, you I know, don't deserve like... more than... Like, <laughs> this is what I deserve. To ask for more than I deserve is too much. Like, I thought that was actually interesting logic. We're skipping ahead to, like... We are skipping a bit, but I think yeah, it's, seven, but... it's a very important thing to, to talk about because for, for me, it's quite easy because, you know, although they might not, they're using okay logic, you know, basic logic, but they know that other people have tried this before, you know, so even though they don't know what other people have chosen, they must be thinking, mm. well, my instincts to choose the gold, the last 300 people probably also thought that, <laughs> you know, you'd think that maybe but... one of them would think, should I try the, should I try the lead? <laughs> Is this a trick? Is this a trick? You know? Well, did, did all of them get sorry, to? Go on, oh, sorry. <laughs> did all of them get to do this? Like, we don't hear about the others being able to choose from the boxes. We only have uh, Morocco, uh, Aragon, and Bassanio. I mean, I'm assuming that they gave us that so we can see one person choosing each of the three. But I'm, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm adding detail that's not there. I just assumed that her life consisted of her sitting around with multiple guys, just coming <laughs> around, opening these boxes every couple of days. You know, it very well could be. Yeah. I mean, uh, I just wanted to point out we don't know how many other suitors that did actually show up. And the other part of it is maybe you know each suitor walked away being too embarrassed to say they got it wrong, saying like, "Oh, I didn't choose." You know, there was no caskets, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose that's possible. That's possible. Um, and she has a bit of freedom here, right? So she's not allowed to help you. But she does say to Bassanio at one point, why don't you hang around for a month or two and get to know me before you make the choice? A, because she wants his company. And B, because, well, maybe that, although she can't tell him the answer, maybe spending time with her will kind of help his thinking, I guess, you know? Um, but that, that is that is skipping ahead quite a bit. So let's, let's stick to where we are. We're going to wrap up Act 1. Um, scene 3 is where we meet our other main character, Shylock. Yep. And um, first words he speaks, three thousand ducats. So like he's all about he he's a guy who's obsessed with money. It's all he talks about. Now at this point they're asking to borrow off him. It's you know, he's not just talking about it for no reason, but I just think it's interesting that his first line is to state money. Hmm. So he's talking to the um, Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just I mean, all right, can I just is anybody else really uncomfortable talking about this topic? A little bit. Yeah. So, uh, no, I know I would disagree. I wouldn't say he's completely obsessed with me. He's actually quite a deep character in the play. He's surprisingly deep for such an anti-Semitic play. Mm. Um, Don't get me wrong. Yeah, no. he's, he, he, he makes me sympathize with him a lot um, at times. Yes. And I, I think that there's certain likable aspects to his character. Um, mm. But I think on the surface level... Well, you know, he's he's almost more interested in money than his daughter at one point, and I think that is the way he's portrayed. So I'm, um, I just think it's interesting that I mean, first she also does steal from him, betray him, and like run away with some random guy. Like, I mean, he did, she does, yeah. So I yeah. wonder about so she's not in the right either here. No, but what what do we think Shakespeare's intention was? Like, are we meant to like Shylock? Or oh no, no, I don't think uh, yeah. he wrote it in a sympathizing way at all, but. Um, I think we can read into it in a sympathetic way. And if we can make Shylock sympathetic, that will, I think, balance out the play. So it's not just good versus bad and conniving. And uh, that's what I want to kind of 
push for today is to yeah, have no Shylock way. be someone that you can sympathize with. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a way to produce this play and make Shylock a good, you know, a good, likable, sympathetic character. Definitely. Yeah. And honestly, I think Antonio is the bad guy through a yeah, lot of this. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is. He's an ass. Yeah. So, I mean, Shylock's also not in the right morally, but we'll kind of get into legally how he could be. Um, but yeah. I mean, he's still I, trying to murder somebody. That's he where he loses me, to be I, honest. That's where well, he loses Well, okay, me. we can get into it now if you'd like. Well, so, no, no, no. We'll, we'll, come to it. we'll come to it in the end. All right. Before the close. So, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it in a minute. So what happens in scene three is essentially Bassanio talks to Shylock on Antonio's behalf and then Antonio enters and I don't know why they enter staggered, like Antonio's waiting at the door to be like, hey, you go talk to him first, see how he feels, and then I'll come in, you know? Um, but Antonio then comes in. they don't get along in. at all, probably. Well, because, yeah, because Antonio <laughs> has been very mean to Shylock. In, in Shylock also has not been nice to Antonio. Like, some of the reasons given, like Shylock doesn't like him because he's Christian. Uh, he doesn't give any interest with his loans, which hurts him because interest rates go down. And um, yeah. also because he's very anti-Semitic. So, I mean, one of those kind of sticks out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, with the, with the loans thing, my interpretation was that Antonio wasn't a formal money lender, but he was just like, you know, he's got a bit of money, he's lending it to his friends and whatever, but he's obviously hmm. not charging interest. You know, like if I needed to lend you, you some money in an emergency, I wouldn't charge your interest. That's kind of how I thought Antonio was doing it. But Shylock is kind of like, well, if you'd come to me, I would have made profit on that, you know? Hmm. But I mean, there's also like word versus action. So they can say these things, but they don't, I mean, the way things are done, like people are just cruel to Shylock throughout this. And we'll get into the scene a bit later, but yeah, the reason people give, I don't know if that's actually the reason they dislike the person. Like, because Antonio will say something later that, oh, it's because of money. And then Shylock gives a completely different reason. I mean, I'm under no... Like why he does something. I'm under no illusions here. They dislike him because he's a Jew, right? That's, that's the reason. You know, they can, they can yeah. say that it's other things. And, and that's what, he dislikes them, I think, primarily because they dislike him and are mean to him. Hmm. I mean, that's, that's the basic level. Like one of these here, so fair sir, you sped on me on Wednesday last. You spurned me such a day. Another time you called me dog. And for these courtesies, I'll lend you thus much monies. Now I just looked it up. So 3,000 ducats is about $300,000. Wow. Um, so it's a quite a bit of money as well to ask huh. for someone from someone who you are openly racist towards or prejudiced towards, sorry. Well, I don't know. Uh, one of those two. Uh, not going to get into that. Yeah. I mean, Antonio feels safe here because he says, I want three months because I know that within two months, my ships are going to come in and I'm going to get thrice times three the value of this. So he's expecting like ten, nine times the value that he's borrowing to be back within two thirds the allotted time. So he thinks he's very safe. You know, he's got an extra month to play with. Maybe some of the money doesn't come in. He's still going to have enough. He, he thinks it's almost impossible that he's not going to be able to pay back um, Shylock. And yeah. Shylock agrees to the bond, but they say, well, because it's so easy for you, you know, the forfeit is just going to be this pint of flesh, basically. Yep. And the, the impression here is that it's like, obviously, I'm not going to take that. What would I want with a pint of your flesh? We've got to put something. Let's put something silly, like, because I'm not going to take your house. I'm not going to take anything that matters. I'm doing you a favor here. Yeah. Do we think that at this stage, 
Sherlock wants to find a flash or is he being genuine by saying it's just a, a nonsense thing to put down? I mean, pretty soon after he talks about it a bit more. So I feel like he's a bit more serious. It's just, uh, I don't know, like to not charge interest as well and say like, all right, we're just going to do a pound of flesh. Sounds a little strange. Um, it is still strange, no matter how you look at it. <laughs> what's interesting to me is Shakespeare kind of changed the ending, I feel. So in this scene, Sherlock says, okay, I'll choose a pound of flesh from wherever I will it. Right. And then later on in the play, it says it has to be from the chest. Like, no, you could choose to just like take a hand. Um, yeah. The, the bit about it being close to the heart seems to get added in. They just sneak it in sort of through the back door later on. Like it's not really clear why that's the, the place. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he just wants to kill him. But I also have a loophole for him if he wants. Just put a tourniquet around the guy's wrist. Uh, A hand weighs a pound. So go ahead and take your pound of flesh that way. It works perfectly. Except that they could not take more than a pound. A hair's breadth, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, you can take more. 1.0 pounds, you know, it's got to be. Yeah, yeah. But then I hate that they say later on, and we'll kind of get into it, but you can't take less. Why? That makes you no just sense. try it many times until you get a pound. Take half exactly. a pound, then cut a bit more. Yeah, there's no yeah. there's no reason you couldn't. It, it doesn't say anywhere in the bond it's got to be done in one cut. Yeah. Also, so there's she's no just reason kind of making things up later right, on. There's, there's no reason why you couldn't point at it and say, well, this is mine, but I'm going to leave it here. I mean, essentially, you could just write down, you know, that's my pound of flesh. Pound of- that's my pound of flesh. I'm going to tattoo this and have awful things tattooed on Antonio. Yeah, there you go. Because like it didn't say you had to cut it out. It's just you own yeah. a pound of flesh. And so Robert, flesh... I want you to write a play where they just write funny <laughs> things on, on, on Antonio. And then he goes around and everyone's like, why have you got this written on, you know, on your the face? The advertisement <laughs> of Venice. <laughs> just on his forehead or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, or, right, right, you know, like, you know, beat me or something on his forehead and then like some people will come up and beat him up or something like that's a way to, to torture him forever but... I, I would have written on his forehead need alone come to Shylock <laughs> yeah he's, he's a he's a, he's a business human business, business card yeah well the thing is as well like so I mean we're skipping ahead a lot but Portia ends up being the lawyer for this she's never trained she knows nothing about this she apparently talked to her like cousin for who knows, uh, yeah, like a couple maybe. hours? Um, <laughs> there's, there's, so there's obviously flaws in her logic. That's there's, always that. there's so much to be said about that scene. Um, we'll yeah, come to we'll that have to get into it later. Let's get to it in due course, because we've covered Act 1, but we've also covered the whole play somehow. So let's, let's uh, reel back a little bit. Um, act 2 is weird. It's like it's a very long act with a lot of scenes. Some of them are short, nine. don't get me wrong, but we're talking nine scenes in this act? Yeah. And I think this this act does really a lot of the heavy lifting at this stage. So scene one um, is Morocco, right? So this is where we find out about the gold cast. So we, we have mentioned this, so I think we can we can kind of skip it here. But it's Morocco coming in, and he wants to try his his hand at uh, at getting Portia. And um, 
but that's really it. It's only a 45-line act, um, act. So it just introduces Morocco, um, essentially, as the first suitor. Scene two, yeah. we meet the clown. So that's Lancelot. Initial impressions? I just was like, ah, oh, another clown. Like, I just don't like them. They're for a particular audience. Um, it's It's there. Yeah, I mean, there's some funny things, I guess. He's just another clown. I mean, he at least progresses the Later story. Later he does, yeah. But yeah, I can't say I ever cared about him. And this first scene oh. is weird. Like, he's there, his dad's there, his dad's blind. He, his dad obviously doesn't recognize that it's him. Somehow he can't figure out his voice or whatever. And he just tricks him. And he's like, you know, asking like where the master's house is. And he starts talking about his son. And Lancelot pretends obviously he's not his son. At one point, he then says that, you know, I heard actually your son has died. And then he immediately says, oh, no, only, you know, lol, no, I am your son. It's all good. Why are you torturing your poor blind father? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't understand his intentions through a lot of this. Um, Like, what bad things did Shylock do to him while he was working for him to want to leave and go work for Bassanio? Because it sounds like from what Shylock's saying, like, he gave him, like, even as a servant, like, gave him a lot, like, lots of good food, like, place to sleep, like, yeah. He could have just been absolutely cruel, but he seems to have been really nice. They talk about the house being hell, like Lancelot and, and um, Portia, but we just don't get to see that, really. I don't yeah, know. No, like, it... we, we don't see anything bad happening in their household, really. Yeah, we see like Shylock uh, calling for Jessica, and in between calling for her, uh, he says to Lancelot, like, you could be eating like a pig here. Like, why do you want to leave? To this guy who has no money. Yeah, sorry, Jessica, I said Portia by mistake there. Yeah, we see Lancelot and Jessica later talking about it. And I'm like, well, I don't, I didn't think that this household was bad. We didn't see any of that, but we'll take the word for it, I guess. Yeah, I I guess. But again, I feel like it's just anti-Semitism some more. I think so, to be honest, yeah. So enter Bassanio and he's talking to them. And I guess this is the moment where, you know, Lancelot meets Bassanio and decides that he would like to... um, kind of go along with him instead of the Jew, right? That's essentially what's happening here. Yeah. Um, and we see Graciano a little bit, so maybe we get a little early hint that he's going to be you know, something of a character compared to some of the other chaps like Solario and things, but... <laughs> yeah, he's the party guy. That's yeah. all we really know about him. <laughs> and um, scene three is only 20 lines, so we just see Jessica and Lancelot talking, and... Jessica basically says, this is where you're running away. Well, okay, have a have a ducket and, um, you know, all the best. This place is hell, um, you know, get you gone. And she also says, basically, like, she wants to, or she loves Lorenzo. And so it seems that Lancelot's kind of going to be that intermediary. He's going to do a bit of messenger, yeah, a little bit of note passing in class. Yeah, he's going to pass the note to, uh, to you know, inform um, Lorenzo. So... Lorenzo and Jessica both love each other, I think, and we start to realize that from here out. Based on the original description, just in the Dramatis Persona, I wasn't clear. I thought maybe he he liked Jessica if he couldn't have her or whatever. No, Jessica is totally game for this. They're they're both in love with each other. Yeah. She's like, I, I'll be Christian for you. Like, yeah. just come steal me away in the middle of the night. I'll dress up like a boy. And of course. Uh, that's it. And that's 2-4. Uh, so we see she's supposed to be... 
I don't like this, but she's supposed to be better than Shylock, right? And she wants to, you know, convert to Christianity. So that is slightly difficult, but there we go. Can you see why this play was sometimes used in Nazi Germany? For I, uh, I can, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Propaganda? Yep. Yeah. Um, mm. So the next scene is also very brief. It's only about 40, 30, 30 or 40 lines. Um, scene four, we're in Venice still. Graciano, Lorenzo, Solario, and Solano. This scene doesn't really do much. They're just having their wee chat. And then um, Lancelot comes in. And I guess this is where he kind of passes the note, right? This is where he informs um, Lorenzo that, you know, Jessica's wanting to get to go off with him. Um, yep. Scene five, we're back with Shylock. And... Lancelot and Jessica. So I guess Lancelot's also going to run away. Like he doesn't say to Shylock, I'm leaving or I'm quitting or whatever. He's just planning on kind of slipping out. And he tactfully manages to inform Jessica, you know, that Lorenzo's up for it. Um, and they kind of say it in plain hearing of Shylock, but disguise what they're saying a little bit and he doesn't catch on. Yeah. And Shylock's actually kind of okay with uh, Lancelot leaving. Um, kind of complains about him a bit, saying, man, this guy's slow. Like, yeah. mentally and physically. He's meant um, to be mean, I guess, Shylock, to an extent, you know. Um, and that's the only hint of his meanness that we see towards Jessica or Lancelot, actually. Um, but then there's this bit where Jessica says, farewell, and if my fortune be not crossed, I have a father, you a daughter, lost. So I like that. That's a nice little poetic line. And some of, the, some of these scenes do end with couplets like that. Um, but the, these are quite short scenes that one's only about 50 lines you know we're just rattling through scenes quite quickly here um, so moving on to scene 6 um, again these are all short scenes this one's only about 60 lines um, we have some of the extras Solerio and, and Chaps with Graciano and um, Lorenzo and the idea here is that they're meeting up they're going to some kind of masked ball I guess Um and that's that's more or less that's more or less it. At this point, Jessica comes in dressed as a boy. Did she need to dress? I always ask this in Shakespeare's question. Did she need to dress like a boy? I always feel like they could have gotten away with not doing it. Well, they never had any uh, female actors back in the day, did they? No, they no. were all young. Yeah, so essentially, maybe it was just a line where the actor asked Shakespeare, "Can I? Can I just?" I just dress as a <laughs> Do I have to dress as a woman? Let's make it easier for you, all right? You could just... Yeah. But I'm guessing she would have had to dress as a woman who's dressed as a boy, so it would have been, like, even more ridiculous, you know? I don't think he was just in his normal clothes. Just to make it funny for the audience? Yeah, I think maybe. so, yeah. And that's, that's fair enough, you know? So Jessica comes in dressed as a boy, and she's going to go with Lorenzo, and he says, oh, you know, it's so good that you're here, my love. Come, you can be my torchbearer. And she's like, oh, all right then. <laughs> Yep. That's um, basically that scene. It's yeah, I mean, really Antonio short. comes in at the very end and talks to Graciano for 10 lines, and that's that's more or less, that's it. The idea is that they're going to sail away, we learn at the end of the scene. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's that. So we move on to scene seven, and we're back with Portia and Morocco, and we pick up where we left off, and we can skip over this because we did talk about it a lot already, but Morocco, obviously he's a... You know, he's a prince. He looks at this and says, well, I want, the gold's going to give me all that um, men want. Surely that's Portia. I'm going to pick the gold. Oh, no, it's not the gold. 
off I go. And she says, you know, a gentle rinse. Um, let let yeah. all of his complexion, let all of his complexion choose so. So she doesn't want him. <laughs> yeah. And I'm surprised that you were kind of interest like you said at one point oh i'd love to be morocco and sure he sounds like a good looking guy but also he sounds kind of like call drogo from game of thrones like like the way he would like go hunting and (laughs) like fight and things like that well, it's only because we joked that we would take one of the three suitors each. And I said, well, in that case, I'll be Morocco because I feel like, you know, why not? I don't necessarily need to be the guy that picks the the right answer. I'm happy to just be the first guy who walks in and says, you know, I like, I, like, I like nice gold things, <laughs> you know, and then that's his own undoing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's That's fine. <laughs> so let's wrap up the act. So we've got two, two quick scenes left. Um, scene eight. It's a brief conversation with Solerio and Solanio talking yeah. about how Shylock is sad because his daughter has left him. She's run off with Lorenzo. She has stolen like a lot of his money as well, which is not kind. And mm. they joke that he's running around saying, Oh my duck, it's so my daughter. And you know, he's in distress, kind of in the street, and he's becoming a bit of a laughing stock, really. But it's they I get the impression that they're trying to say he cares more about the ducats than the daughter. But yes. Yes. So that's um, that's sad, but, you know, there we go. Uh, scene nine. Well, we kind of skipped one small thing. Okay. Um, they hear of a ship crashing. Uh, let that be foreshadowing for future ah, scenes. Sure, of course. Yes. And scene nine, we wrap up the act back with Portia, and the second sitter has arrived, and that's the Prince of Aragon. And, and he chooses the silver, right? So... Yeah, he doesn't get it either. The silver is all that not only men want, but kind of all that he deserves and no more. And he thinks, well, I, what an arrogant thing. Is it? Well, I obviously I deserve oh, yeah. Portia. So it's almost oh, worse yeah. than picking yeah. the gold. <laughs> but his way of thinking isn't arrogant at all in saying, like, a man doesn't, shouldn't get more than he deserves. So I will take only what I deserve. Yeah, to be fair, he's trying to say, I'm not going to take the gold. I'm not going to take all that men want. I'll just take what I deserve. But I, eh. the, the, you could look at it that way, too. I just thought, well, well, that's why he, he looked at it. But yeah, <laughs> obviously, yeah. like he is then saying he deserves Portia, but he deserves to be a fool, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Leaving with two fool's heads. <laughs> um. So then um, a messenger enters at the end of the act and tells Portia that um, essentially she has visitors. Yeah, and that's where we end. At this point, I think the acts do get a little bit quicker. That act two got a lot kind of going on in it. Um, so act three, scene one, we're back in Venice with um, uh, Dumb and Dumber over here, Solanio and Solario. I just don't care about these chaps. Um, oh no, <laughs> just so irrelevant. Um, so these are the guys who were previously, you know, making fun of Shylock, and now enter Shylock. So we kind of pick up with them where we left off. Sherlock comes in. Um, we hear two more kinda, ships crashing. Yeah, more ships have crashed. Yeah. At this point, we do meet Tuval for the first time. I mean, he doesn't really do a lot. He's just kind of Sherlock's other Jewish friend. Um, and he's been looking for Jessica. That's really all. That's his entire kind of role in the play. Is Sherlock sends him out to look for his daughter. But this is the scene that really makes me like be on Shylock's side throughout all this. Like he has a great monologue in this and I'm not going to read it all, but 
uh, talking about Antonio, he hath disgraced me and hindered me half a million, laughed at my losses, mocked at my gains, scorned my nation, thwarted my bargains, cooled my friends, heated mine enemies. And what's his reason? I'm a Jew. Hath not a Jew eyes? Hath not a Jew hands, organs, dimensions, senses, affections, passions? Like, uh, he keeps going on and just saying, like, yeah, if you prick us, do we not bleed? Like, Famous line. really yes. making you feel for this guy. Like, really, you're just hating on me because I'm Jewish? This is the scene that made me wonder if Shakespeare mm. wanted us to sympathize with him. Because why does he give him this lovely monologue then if he, you know, if it is just an anti-Semitic play? Like, is he trying to raise some awareness it, in the consciousness of the viewers? It's bizarre that it's such an anti-Semitic play and then you can just take this lovely piece and take it out of context and still recite it today. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so weird. I don't know. I can't agree and with or I, I don't understand it. You understand why he wants to get back at Antonio. It sounds like it cost him like, yeah, half a million ducats. Um, also just being tortured all the time from, for being just in this situation he's in, if he has to live in a ghetto, um, it turns out like there would be guards for this ghetto, which the Jewish people would have to pay to guard them in their own ghetto. And yeah, I can imagine snapping. Oh yeah, like let's be honest here. You're and you're perfectly right to say this is the scene where we we because at the minute we're thinking up to this point, we're a bit mean to Shylock because he's a Jew, but people are telling us he is mean. So, like although I do sympathize with him a little bit, I was kind of trying to reserve judgment to see how it went. And then in this scene, you're just like, oh, per Shylock, I want to give him a hug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I can understand why he's angry at his daughter. Like, imagine uh, your own child, and I think Robert's the only one who has one here who can uh, talk about this, but your own child stealing a lot of money from you, even like uh, st- stealing the dead wife's wedding ring. Yeah. Um, like, you would Selling. probably be pretty angry at your child for this. You'd be happy that they're okay, but... At this point, I'm not I mean- sure if you would be. <laughs> What was that, Robert? Uh, no, it, is, have we gotten to the part where he sell, uh, she sells the ring for the monkey? Um, I think you mentioned that soon, maybe in the next scene. But yeah, she sells the ring for the monkey. We do find out as well. So, yeah, there, there's a lot going on. And I, I do just really feel for Shylock. Um, the only underlying theme is that he speaks of revenge, which isn't yeah. a very Christian concept. Well, he's Jewish, like, though. Yeah, exactly. That's the only. But part it's also not it very. Be. Well, uh, maybe that, that's Look the, the Old Testament. Testament. So, <laughs> yeah, let's not um, let's not talk about that too much. <laughs> but yeah, I don't you have know. Experience. The whole if they but... you know if we if they prick us to not bleed thing. I I feel really really a lot for Shylock in this scene, and he's right. Look, no, let's not forget. This is a chap. So we're going to start with Antonio. This is a chap who is and and, and later admits. That he's re- you know always cruel to Shylock, really for no reason. You know, and I, I, I think he spits on him and kicks him in the street and calls him names and all this kind of stuff. He's really horrible to him. Now he's coming in with his tail between his legs and saying, "I've been an ass, but will you lend me a massive amount of money?" <laughs> and yeah. then one of his friends, like it is a Lorenzo, is one of Antonio's gang, who then also steals away Shylock's daughter in the middle of the night and a lot of his money with it and his wife's ring and all the rest of it. 
So this guy, like, I he, I'm surprised he doesn't just go in with a bat and start wrecking people. You know, like, I really understand <laughs> why he's so annoyed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are things he says as well, like uh, he'd rather his daughter come back dead with the money and stuff. So he is still stuck on the money, and yeah, that's where you can't really defend Shylock anymore. But I don't and know, even because... though I will defend him through the rest of the play. Yeah. I get what you're saying, that that sounds mean, but what I tried to hint at a few moments ago is, would you want your daughter back safely? And I'm sure, in a modern context, we would probably say yes, we would. Let's ask Robert. No, no, we're not going to do that. (laughs) In a modern context, we would say yes, obviously we do, but I feel like we're, we see our children differently than they would have done back then, right? And I feel like children were dying of the infant mortality rates and everything. Like, I don't think they had that same, not saying that no one had that same kind of connection, but I understand someone in that time frame saying, she robbed me, so kind of screw her, I just want the money back. You know? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I guess if you can just, like, have a ton of kids, like, yeah, (laughs) what's one? Yeah, they're all replaceable, essentially. Oh, God. Yeah, I was very reluctant to make Robert talk about how to put himself in Shylock's position here. Um, let's move on. So we've got um, scene two. We're back with Portia, and she does have visitors. It's, of course, Bassanio and Graciano, and they're all having a wee, a wee chat um, in, in Belmont. So, I mean, this scene is interesting because... Portia and Bassanio are in love, right? So we we, yeah. we confirm that here. Is Bassanio a bit poncy? I mean, at one point here, he has like a 40-line monologue. <laughs> well, talking about which one to choose? Which box? Before they choose, right before he opens the casket, he does his big monologue about it and talks about a lot of different things. I don't know, maybe that's fine. It's just like, well, considering the last act, there were scenes that were shorter than this. And this guy, he's prattling on a bit, you know. I just thought he's a wee bit mm. but poncy, but um obviously he chooses the leaden casket, right? He's the hero in this kind of fairy tale scene, and he chooses the right casket. He wants to give all he has to Portia. But does he? I think he wants to give all Antonio has. Because in order to <laughs> in order to visit Portia, he's had to so that we should we should clarify it in case it's not explicit. The reason Antonio is borrowing this money is not for himself. He is trying to be a good a good fellow, and he's he's lending them. He, he's helping Bassanio. He's paying for Bassanio to visit Portia and find his love. Antonio is getting nothing yeah. from this, and he doesn't want to go to Shylock and with his tail between his legs. He's doing it for a friend. So, would you like yeah. that aspect of Antonio? Um, oh yeah, they're so, great friends. But it's easy for and, Bassanio to oh, be yeah. like, "Yeah, I'll choose the lead. I'll I'll risk all of my friends' fortune." Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I suppose in one way you could look at that as the true fortune is the friendship he has with Antonio. Aww. Yeah. Well, look, we're not going to beat that. Should we wrap it up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so they get married. Uh, Graciano gets to marry Narissa. Lorenzo arrives with Jessica. Um, but then we also hear from Antonio at the end of the scene with uh, from a letter saying like, yeah, all those ships that have been crashing have been Antonio's and he has no money now and cannot pay back Shylock. Um, and we yeah. hear that Shylock is pushing for revenge. Big surprise. Um, but Portia says, don't worry, we'll give him 6,000 ducats to uh, not hurt uh, not hurt Antonio. Yeah. Well, then she says, she says give him six. And then she also then says, um, pay him six, double the six, then treble that. So... 
Because they say at this point, Shylock is saying that he just wants revenge. He wouldn't even accept 20 times the bond. She basically offers 20 times the bond. So she's like, well, you, you say he wouldn't, but let, let's find out, you know, let's, let's <laughs> see if he will. Um, and what an amazing thing. Like, okay, so Portia really likes Bassanio, but she's like, okay, I just met this guy today. I'm going to give him like, I don't know, $100 million? I don't know how much it will be. <laughs> I'm not going to do the math. Um, no, sorry, $60 million. No, That was good math. Yeah, it was easy. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> imagine giving $60 million to someone you just met. She is clear that they have to marry real quick. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, yeah. But I don't think she's offering 20 times, to be honest. I think that she was offering maybe like five or six well i don't know because she, we talk about instead of three thousand ducats she says pay him six thousand double six thousand then treble that so I, I don't know but like i guess it doesn't matter really the the, the main yeah. point is she's gonna she's gonna offer more than the bond to try to to get antonio you know to save his life still a few million yeah yeah it's, it's still a lot, a lot of money however we look at it even the even the value of the bond was a lot of money what do we think, real quick, before we move on, what do we think about the fact that so Portia and Bassanio get together and then just kind of in a throwaway couple of lines, they're like, oh yeah, and also our friends are in love. It's like, well, while you were doing that, Graciano and Narissa, who just met, they're going to get married too. It's like, well, that's a bit convenient. <laughs> eh, it's a comedy. Yeah, uh, it, it yeah. is what it is. <laughs> So we move on to scene three. Uh, it's a brief scene, just because so, you know we just have a long scene of three hundred odd lines. So we, we have a very quick, you know, thirty line um, on track essentially. Um, Shylock is there with Solanio and Antonio and a jailer, because Shylock. The idea is that Antonio should be in prison for defaulting on the bond, and obviously Shylock wants his. His point of flesh. And this is where we really see these famous, you know, I will have my bond, speak not against my bond. And no matter what they say, I pray thee, hear me speak. I'll have my bond. I'll not hear you speak. This is what I remember from reading this when I was 13. You know, just he's obsessed with his bond. That's all he talks about. I will have my bond. Mm. Again, through the fact that they screwed him over, you know, but this yeah. is where I start and- to lose a little bit of sympathy for him, though, because like he won't even hear the guy out. He won't listen to alternative options. He just wants revenge at this point. He wants the point of flesh, and he essentially wants to kill Antonio. Yeah, yeah. Um. So scene four, we were got Lorenzo and Portia, and the others are around there, um, including the servant Balthazar, who I don't even know why he's named because this is I think the first time he's done anything in the play. Um. Basically, Portia sends him off um, to fetch Dr. Bellario. Um, the idea, he, well, I guess he's going to look for some ships and they're going to consult the doctor. The idea is that Portia's hatching this plan with more dressing up in boys' clothes is going to be involved soon. <laughs> and um, they're going to help, essentially. So let, let's, let's set off. And I just say to Lorenzo, you know, we don't really know you. I just met this guy. I've married him and given him all my money. You're just his mate. Just take the house. You can just you can just look after everything while yeah, we're done. Take care of it. You'll be fine. <laughs> and they're like, okay, I mean, I don't know who Lorenzo is, but yeah, sure. You just live in this lovely house now <laughs> for <Yeah>. a while. <laughs> she says she's gonna go to like the convent or nunnery or whatever. Yeah, but this is up, weird. Because yeah, obviously she doesn't, to, but yeah, but ends up going to court 
which is in two scenes. Yeah, but for me, this is weird. What is Lorenzo thinking? She's like, you know, I know I've been living here with my maid all this time, but now that I've married a guy 10 minutes ago and he's gone, I guess I'll just go wait in the convent. You can take my house. He's like, what is going on? I don't know. I think he's just thinking about Jessica at this point. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, I mean, a house to myself and Jessica? We're going to have fun. Yeah, yeah, right? It's Because like, I, I, we think that Porsche is, is rich, essentially. That's the idea I have. So he's thinking, grand, we get to stay in this grand house. And, you know, I'm here. I've got Jessica. Sure. I'll go along with this weird plan. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it doesn't work out well for Lorenzo later on, but um, I don't know if you caught that as much. I know you'll have to fill us in on that because that surprised Once uh, once they come back to the house, uh, Lorenzo and Jessica are not having a good time, it sounds like. Okay, well, I think that's coming up very soon, so we'll we'll get there. Yeah. Um, Act three, Three, go ahead. Five. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, Act three, scene five. (laughs) Yeah, it's right now, then. It's Lancelot again. Uh, basically his scene talking I mean is there really anything that happens he just says like oh Jessica's not going to go to heaven she's Jewish but now she's also going to increase the price of pork because she's now Christian Um, I thought that was just a joke you know it's Lancelot saying a lot of it I don't know like really not much happens in it (laughs) he got a servant pregnant there you go yeah, uh, this this scene I think you could have cut, but we we yeah we do hear that somehow they mention Lancelot. So what is Lancelot's life? Like he's living with the Jew. He just decides to leave and go to this other guy. Now he's at Portia's house. I don't really know why. Just because Bassanio is there, I guess. Like he's just yeah. Why is he like, there? He's a terrible he, servant. He's not doing anything. He's serve. doing nothing. He's just got a girl pregnant. What 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 is his purpose? <laughs> this is why I said like Shylock was happy for him to leave. Like he was useless. <laughs> yeah. I believe Shylock through half of this. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I guess so. So, the, the most play, important scene now. I think, yeah. I mean, the last two acts are really well. I was going to say they're one scene each. Technically, there's a there's a, a very very brief scene two in Act Four, but these are these are two long acts that are are really just one main um, long yeah. scene. So let's get to Act Four, um, scene one. Enter the Duke of Venice. So it's the usual, you know, we always have these kind of dukes come in to, to kind of give a ruling or whatever. It's not quite a deus ex machina, but but Shakespeare does like to use the, the dukes in this kind of way. They're the ruler of the city, you defer to them, you've got to figure things out, I guess. But in this case, the duke can't really do anything uh, legally because, well, there's a contract. Yeah. I mean, I do wonder, like, could he have done something? I'm assuming that he's making the laws. Like, I I do wonder if he could have acted. (laughs) No, what he could have done is he could have put Angelo in charge and blame Angelo. (laughs) And then sneak back in uh, disguise later, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, (laughs) that's what he could have done. Uh, Yeah, so... I mean, I guess like, let's summarize this scene quickly. All they really do at this point is the Duke is kind of saying, there's not a lot I can do because of the contract. They kind of say to Shylock, you know, go on and be a good lad. And he's like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a good lad. I want my bond. And, and that's I mean, that. it also sounds like, um, like his argument is also pretty strong here in that he's saying, you guys also have slaves. Your slaves are asking to be let go. And you're not letting them go. I'm still taking my bonds. Then, like, that's that's a like, good argument. It's like, all right, you guys are also not good people. 
Yeah, again, it's where you really, really resonate or you feel for Shylock because that does go back as far as um, Passover as well. The uh, the whole let my people go. Let my people go. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I take his I argument to you. Go ahead, Robert. Sorry, finish off. No, 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 no. Go on. You take I was going to say, I take his argument because he's essentially saying, you own whole people. You own slaves. I own one pound of this man. <laughs> so how is that different? If anything, it's less bad. You know, like, he's like, you own yeah. entire people. You're not giving them up. Why, why should I? And that is, that is, you know, functioning logic. <laughs> and I don't know about the laws of Venice, but I did look up the laws for Elizabethan times. And if you steal five pence from someone, you are allowed to be hanged. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> and so 3,000 ducats, I believe, would probably be more than 5p. So I can see why he would be okay with this guy dying. So in this case, like, even if he doesn't take his pound of flesh, he could say, all right, kill this guy. He stole money from me. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, all the while the Duke is friendly, but ineffective. He can't really do anything or he won't. You know, depends how you want to look at that. Uh, He says, yeah, there's not a lot I can do other than ask you to be nice. You've said no, I've done my duty. Um, But I will stand by and let Portia do all this meddling in a minute because I kind of hope things work out for the best. Uh, The Duke is very ineffective. (laughs) Meddling is a good word. It's kind of that 12 angry men logic that isn't really that sound, but works for what they're trying to say it works in the play i think yeah it works you can, in the play. you can sit and analyze it but i think it does what it's meant to do you know so yeah portia comes in and they say the doctor couldn't make it the doctor of laws but here comes like he's a, not quite apprentice but like his his friend or his you know kind of journeyman a, a younger a, a younger lawyer essentially and um they share the same opinion so in comes portia and um the idea is that she does this big speech where she's going to she's not going to convince Shiloh to change his mind per se, but she's going to make it so that he can't do what he wants effectively. He can't get the pound of flesh. And the most famous reason behind that is, well, you can take the pound of flesh, but you're not allowed to spill one jot of blood. Now, I think that she does, she does give him a chance. Like she says, like, if we pay the money, can he go? And, and Shylock says, no, that, you know, I just want what's in the bond. And they offer some alternatives. And he says, well, that's not in the bond. All I will have is exactly what's in the bond. And she's okay. I mean, those are your words. And if that's all you want, there's no blood in the bond. And he's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but she 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 draws him in nicely, I think. You know, she she kind of traps him with his own logic. Um, because he refuses any alternative based on the fact that he's going by the letter of the law on this bond. Um, <laughs> and if he had maybe just been a little bit nicer, he would have been able to accept a lot more money than he was originally offered. And gotten away scot-free and he says no i want the bond yeah i finally get my revenge but like, all the bond says is that antonio has to pay him surely if she offers the money for antonio like surely that is in line with the bond yeah but with failing to pay it back it wasn't going to be with interest that's the whole point uh he said instead of interest it's going to be a pound of flesh mm, okay yeah so he does, there is that part, yeah. But what she says as well, like, you can't cut more than a pound or less. Like, I don't know why he can't do less than a pound. Yeah, then do some extra shavings to make it up. Just do some extra pound. shavings and then you just <laughs> get it there. Then if he goes over, okay, then you hurt him. Yeah. 
I don't really know, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. So at this point, and then this is where I really lose empathy for Shylock. He realizes that he's not going to get what he wants. Um, so I lose empathy, then I regain it very quickly. Because he then says, <laughs> well, okay, if I can't have that, forget all the things I just said. Forget the, the letter of the law. Forget the bond. You just pay me triple the amount <laughs> and, uh, and I'll go. And then Porsche's kind of like, well, we've got him on the ropes here. Why would we pay you triple? <laughs> I mean, so he then, even says, just pay me back my money. Now he says, end, so but... now he says, then just give me the principal. Just give me the money once. And then they kind of say, again, no. Um, because it's now transpired, and I don't know why the Duke didn't know this, but it is illegal for um, Shylock to be coveting the life of a citizen, right? To be trying to, to call, do something that would cause a citizen to die, which this action would have done. I mean, this also is like, well, this guy stole from me. Hang him. Like, <laughs> I feel and, like that would be totally okay. It's it's only when it's a Jewish man here who is trying to, like, do it himself instead of getting a Christian executioner. Like, it, it doesn't work for me. Hmm. I mean, yeah... I just kind of took it that if if it was illegal for him to do something that would cause Antonio to die, why no one mentioned that already? But, you know, basically what happens next is we have another famous line from Graciano, beg that thou mayst have leave to hang thyself. Um, because this is where they say, essentially, we're going to take all your property, we're going to leave you with nothing, the Duke can decide whether you're even allowed to live or die. And this is really cruel from Graciano. He says, you know, basically, you should have leave to hang yourself. And he says, well, actually, all your wealth is forfeit to the state, so you can't even afford to hang yourself. I guess the state will have to pay for the rope. That's a bit of a slap in the face. Yeah. And even the compromise here, which isn't even a compromise, they take half of his money and he's forced to become Christian. Yeah. So at this point, because he was so mean and so... I'm not going to compromise on anything. When they say, well, we're going to let you live. The Duke says you can live, but we will take some of your money only to really give the idea is that he would leave half of his money to his daughter as well. So I'm thinking, okay, they're trying to be That's nice. Right. He's getting a bit of punishment, but he is being allowed to live and they're going to look after his daughter. Um, who yeah, the will has to go to Lorenzo and Jessica, basically. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, they're probably doing a lot. They could have done a lot worse. They could have said, they'll kill him and take all his money. But now they then say... Oh yeah, but you've got to convert to be a Christian. And I'm like, that's a bit, that's a bit much. You can't really make him do that. Now, to be fair, he could just tell him he's done it and you know, you don't know what's going on inside a person's mind, you know. But still, it's still it's still a wee bit much. Yeah. So that's where I gain sympathy back for Sherlock. <laughs> Great input, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> just, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm sad here just grimacing at the entire exchange. I just I I really like Shylock. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously he's not the best guy, but he's getting the short end of the stick throughout all of this. Yeah, he is. And I think he makes some mistakes and I think he's too vengeful and he's too obsessed with the money. And I think that there's a few problems, but he also gets the short end of the stick a lot. And I, I really do empathize with him in, in a lot of That's why things. I was really happy to see in the um, like fanfic, like, the one that came out in the 1920s, the sequel, he does very well because he still had some money uh, and was Christian. So people weren't 
prejudice against him. So he was able to make even more money. Um, yeah, let's be under no so, illusions here, though, because like this is a play that gets studied further down to A level, but it gets studied sometimes in schools um, around Key Stage 3 and GCSE. Let's be honest here. We're not really meant to like Shylock. Like we do because, no. you know, we're good modern people. But um, apart from that Portia one, that we don't like. <laughs> I do like Portia until the end. Up until this yeah. point, I have really even, liked even, her. Sorry, even for the entire court case, she's masquerading as the doctor. So she's already um, lied about her qualifications. But she was masquerading um, as a lawyer. As a, but, it's a doctor yeah. of law, so it's... Oh, okay. They, oh, sorry, they refer to her as the doctor. <laughs> but, um, I mean, the entire thing, she could have just said, hey, you know, here's the plan, guys, and let everybody else in on this. <laughs> you know, well, exchange. could have. This, imagine this case happening today, though. Like, she comes in and says, oh, I'm a doctor of law. I have this... Uh, yeah, I... This wouldn't like what, work. what is that called? For, forgery? What is that? That's an actually illegal. That is um, incredibly illegal, and this case would be thrown out immediately. Yeah, but the idea is that she's doing it to help her friend. <laughs> or she her could have helped her friend, friend in a much nicer way. <laughs> all right. This is weird. The entire play has been weird up to this point. Right. It's just I find the entire Catholic cast horrible. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. They're all just yeah. Anyway. So, what I'm going to say is going to seem strange in two minutes when we review the final act, and I then hate Portia. Um, but at this point, up to this point, I really like her. I think she's initially depicted as a paragon of virtue with a bunch of horrible, lecherous men who don't really like her trying to get with her. She now says, I've never even met Antonio. I'm going to risk my money and everything. I'm going to go help him. <laughs> like, because he's a friend of my husband's. I think she's a great, great girl. And she does this scene where she dresses the doctor. Sure, is it with this hold up in court? Obviously not. But I'm like, well, you know, it's a play. We get a little certain amount of license. She's doing this to try to help um, Antonio. Maybe it's the only way that she... Now, could she have just come in and said, you can't spill a drop of blood as Portia and not disguise herself as a boy? Maybe. Would they have listened to a girl? Maybe not. So I'm like, well, I'm going to go along with what she's doing up until this point. But she does lose me in about 30 seconds. Well, no, there's also, because we've talked about this beforehand, there is a line um, between uh, Antonio and, I'm awful with names, sorry, who's your man? Bassanio? Uh, Bassanio, Bassanio, there is a line that Bassanio exchanges with Antonio where, um, I can't remember exactly what the line is, but the essence of it is, bros before a hose, you know, if I could exchange everything, undo everything, I would undo the marriage. Um, Yeah, and hear Portia respond. And then yeah. Gratiano says the same thing, like, oh, if I could send Nerissa up to heaven to talk to God, it's like, you would kill your wife? Like, uh, in yeah, front of your wife? yeah. So like that, there is a little bit of, you know, I, I, I know we talked about this beforehand, but I do kind of understand everything that happens in the final act because okay. of this exchange. And yeah. as well as that, uh, the exchange of the rings. The doctor asks uh, Bassanio wow. for the ring and he gives it okay. to her. Yes, so that's what happens at the end of this scene and for the the duration of the next scene, which is only 15 lines. It does take some pushing to get it. It it does take until Act 4, Scene 2 for him to actually send it over because he was told, like, hold on to this, do not give it up no matter what, die before this happens. Here's my take. First of all, we shouldn't put so much stock in material things. But secondly, I understand... Oh, for goodness sake, it's not a material. It's not about the ring. It's about the oath he took when he no. was handed the ring. And I think that's a very unfair thing for someone to ask their partner to do it. Um, but we'll get to that. So initially, 
Yes, there was the ring given, and Bassanio was really reluctant to give it up. This is Portia, who knows that she gave him the ring, who knows that she said this is a token of our love, it is the symbolism, I agree with you, and you should never give this up for any reason. I'm going to dress up and I'm going to help your friend. Good. All good so far. Then I'm going to, for no reason, cause you deliberate mental anguish and torture as the person I'm supposed <laughs> to love by asking you for the ring in disguise and say it's the only thing I will accept. She's now this guy is thinking, oh, my God, this, this doctor has just saved my friend's life, but I'm not meant to give away the ring. What do I do? He does say no. And then Antonio is like, what are you doing? She just saved my life. Go after her. Give her the ring. And he's like, OK, that is persuasive. And scene two is where he runs up and gives her the ring. Or he sends Graciano to do it for him. And I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, and I think that any any partner, male or female, would be able to say, okay, you weren't meant to give the token away, but someone literally just saved your life, your friend's life, which I was in favor of anyway. I offered him all the money. I have the same motivations as you. I wanted to help your friend. We get another ring. You know, like we still love each other. Who would Who would lose a human life? over a, a stupid ring, a stupid piece of materialism. You know, I understand there's symbolism involved, but I think Portia is really horrible here. No, I think she's been scorned and she's well within her rights. I think she's testing him and that's not healthy for any relationship no. at all. But on those AITA yeah. posts on Reddit, I remember seeing one of a woman who uh, ended up getting a fake phone number, messaging her husband and... Uh, trying to basically like catfish him in a way yeah but try to get him to cheat he didn't and then she got angry at him uh for not bringing it up with her later that night and it seems like the same idea like also even though he didn't cheat he still didn't bring it up so she still got angry anyway so she just wanted yes. to get angry with him basically basically yeah and i feel like that's kind of what Porsche's doing sure like he said something really crappy to her but to really like talk to him about it don't test him and then like make it then say like oh yeah i slept with this guy as well like that's act five scene that's getting into act five now yeah but i i i think we're more or less in agreement here alex which i I thought i I do actually agree yeah i mean (laughs) sure the the ring has meaning he shouldn't have given it up no matter what he should have just said hey thanks like she, she was just going to walk away. She was, uh, yeah. But then Antonio persuades him, and maybe he's a bit weak-willed there. But he, you know, it's his friend. Yeah. He's happy. He's alive. I understand. I'm trying to put myself in his. Antonio shoes. makes a mistake. Portia caused the mistake in the first place, yes. and then keeps it going. So I, I think it's never healthy to be deliberately testing someone in a relationship like this. You know, I don't think that's no. what people should be doing. And and you know again this is a modern interpretation at the time they would have just thought oh that's a bit of crack you know it's, it's funny you know let's, let's cause him a bit of distress i mean they yeah. already had that with uh gobo right yeah exactly S- similar yeah. similar idea um i really portia loses me here and i really really don't like her in this final act like i just i don't know i i really loved her up until this point i had no prejudice against her but this doesn't work for me. As you yeah. say, this idea of, of the testing, she's causing this in the first place. He does do the right thing. I think that anyone would say, I really didn't want you to give that ring away, but it's literally been a matter of life and death. Like if I'd given someone a token, no matter how important the symbolism was, it's literally a matter mm-hmm. of my friend's life and death. I would like to think they would give it up. We can find another token. We're also but it wasn't a matter of life and death. 
life was secured already. There was no purpose beyond it was, gratitude. It was, it was gratitude for life and death. Gratitude itself is a symbol. So she's already placed the symbolism of uh, gratitude above the symbolism of his, uh, the ring to his oath. To okay. Herself. Well, you would think it was different then if they'd said... I'm only going to save him if you give the ring because then it wouldn't be gratitude. Then oh, yeah, doing it yeah. Up front. I, I would say, right. like... I, For me, yeah, those are the same. It's difference. still been a matter of life and death whether you give the ring before or after. Gratitude is just as much a motivation as doing it to help yourself because it's actually better. It's a more virtuous thing to thank someone than to only give them something because you need it beforehand. But what was the chest? The iron chest had the words, he must risk and hazard all. Mm. Yeah, well, that that's a very very fair point. But don't forget, Portia yeah. is the one who's offering all this money to help Antonio anyway. She's on board. Yeah, I feel like for instigating this, like if it were someone else completely, if it were not her who asked for the ring, and it was just a different doctor yes. or lawyer or whoever, I think then that this would be so much better. It would. It would. Uh, and in parallel, um, Narissa and Graciano have the exact same story. He gives the ring as well, because she's the clerk for the doctor. And she took notes, yeah. and he says, well, I'll give you a ring too. A little bit less motivation on that one. But yeah, yeah, that's fair. We don't care about them as much. <laughs> so on to Act 5, Scene 1. Yeah, so I was talking why Lorenzo and Jessica aren't going to work, probably. Or at least they're fighting quite a bit. So they're using some pretty terrible analogies here or like references. So Lorenzo is talking about Troilus and Cressida, not a great relationship. Then Jessica says, in such a night, did Thisbe fearfully or trip the dew and saw the lion shadow air himself and Ray dismayed away. Uh, In the original, um, she did not run away. And it kind of comes, like they talk about Dito, Medea, and Jessica then says, um, did young Lorenzo swear he loved her well, stealing, stealing her soul with many vows of faith and ne'er a true one. So just saying like, yeah, you lied to me throughout this entire thing. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're talk, they're fighting. And then Lorenzo says in such a night did pretty Jessica, like a little shrew slander her love and forgave it her. Uh, yeah. Now he that's... does forgive her, but still saying these terrible things about each other. So we're not sure that these relationships are going to work out. <laughs> yeah. She says, I would outnight you, but uh, did nobody come? But hark, I hear footing a man. So they keep fighting, but they hear someone coming. Yeah. Final thoughts on, on, on Portia for me is going to be to wrap up her story. She continues the ruse. You mentioned, you hinted at it a moment ago. She then talks about the fact that she slept with the doctor um now obviously she was the doctor in disguise it's all a ruse but she's now causing additional mental anguish to, to, to purpose Anio and saying well i basically cheated on you and she says you better watch over me because anytime you leave i'm going to be sleeping with the doctor again and i'm like why are you doing yeah. this like what is your reason for causing him all this distress and honestly it's only in the last 20 there's a 300 line uh, scene it's only in the last 20 lines or so maybe 20 25 lines that she does the reveal. Like, I was starting to think she wasn't going to do the reveal. I thought she was going to leave <laughs> them in distress. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she says, like, she slept with these people to get the rings back, but, I, yeah, she was wronged by him, and I get that, but she goes overboard, and then they say, oh, they're all going to be happy now. 
Yeah, I mean, we assume that everything's okay for Graciano and Larissa as well, because they are just a parallel. They are just a, a copy and paste story of, of Pupasani and It is, yeah. <laughs> Basically, you could just say, and then Graciano and Larissa did the same thing. The same thing. Now, Robert, you said perfectly right there. Let's be honest. Now, be honest with me here. Even though you think you're more sympathetic to Portia here, and you think she was more within her rights to do this, you still surely think she should have done the reveal at the end. You don't think she should leave him his whole life still thinking that he'd messed up about the ring and that she was going to sleep with the doctor every time he went away. Oh, that's the only reason I can agree with <laughs> Portia and be on Portia's side is because it was all a joke, essentially. Yeah. There was a reveal. There was a bit of a, a teasing, poking, whatever. That's how I view it. Maybe it could have been a I'm quick gonna, tease. I, you know, maybe. If it had been a two-minute thing, and then, like, oh, I'm only joking. But she drags it on just quite a bit, and I just feel like this is not good for his mental health. <laughs> and that is a Shakespearean thing to do as well. You know, I, I said it really accurately earlier on as well. You know, I think the entire Christian cast is, is just terrible. Hmm. Um, they're all terrible people. They're all doing terrible things. And um, yeah, I understand Porsche's motivation. I understand that I don't fully disagree with it, but it's also like, it's not nice. It is horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Because you didn't like but, Portia before, so you actually like her more in this scene because she's doing a joke. Or <laughs> like, I, I liked I'm her more, before. Don't get me wrong, I'm not sitting here and, uh, you know, I like Portia at all by any measure. It's it's just, I get that this is within her character. This makes sense. And I don't sympathize with uh, Bassanio or Antonio in this situation. I don't sympathize with any of them. They're all, they all deserve each other, essentially. Hmm. I think it can also be directed in a nicer way as well to make it seem more joking. But yeah, I, overall thoughts for this though, I like it still. I'd still give it an A. Like oh, we're talking about all these different parts that we hate, all these like bad people, but I think there's so much to discuss about it. Like the, like the love story I think is very sweet, especially in like acts one, two, and three. Um, Shylock makes for a very interesting antagonist in this. I'm not going to say villain, um but he definitely is an antagonist um good decision yeah, yeah, i don't know i think that's fair i, I yeah i like at least well you could argue that antonio is an antagonist as well but uh, <laughs> if you want to see shylock as the good guy yeah i mean let's be honest um we all like the play we, t- we went way over time here we talked about it a lot the only other yeah. time we've done that was the fellow and i think that those are two that are of my favorites now so i i totally get it um, I would say that there's a way to, to produce and direct this play, A, to make Shylock a lot more, um, you know, take away a little bit more of the anti-Semitism, make him a bit more sympathetic, and B, um, to maybe tone down my hatred of Portia in that final scene. There might be a way to, to do that, and then it would be a perfect play, you know. Yeah, the directing can make it funnier and generally better. Yeah. So, I mean, no, the fi- final final the thoughts, I guess. <laughs> final thoughts. We all liked it, I, I guess. More, more. Yeah, I, I, it is one of my favorite plays, Bill. Despite, <laughs> despite, despite the cast. everything we said today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I think that's. I think that's fair. Um, and uh, we should clarify, though, for anyone that is like studying or anything, we don't really think that Shakespeare intended to have. Um, Sherlock be sympathetic other than that one little speech 
um, about you know, if they break, do I not bleed? And also, I think that scene at the end that we we made a lot out of at the time, they would have just thought it was a bit of a joke and moved on and probably not really given it any thought. Yeah, it's kind of unnecessary in the end anyway. It I is, yeah, you could have dropped it. Maybe it's not going to be happily ever after for these people. But, but it has nothing to do with Shylock or Antonio, really. Like, it could have been just dropped, that last bit. Yeah, I, I, it could have been a four-act play, but because of the time, it has to be five acts, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, Any anyone want to add anything, or is that us done? I think uh, that, that was kind of necessary. Oh, you think it was? I think there, there were certain things that needed to be resolved. Okay. They had to wrap it up but I don't think they needed to do the ring part or like even go back to the house. I feel. Yeah. You would have had to cut out four short and drop out five. Um, Cause that five resolves yeah. act four, but yeah, you could have dropped that whole plot point in theory and just wrapped it up with Antonio and Shylock, you know? Yeah. Yeah. As long as Antonio didn't say, or uh, Pisanio didn't say uh, the horrible things in the court. Yes. Oh, don't get me wrong, because I didn't clarify this. I don't like when they say, sure, it's all right if our wives die. Like, I did not like that, okay? Because I I didn't uh, didn't stress that. But that did lose me a little bit. But I just think the way they went about resolving it was a bit mean. But there we go. I suppose it was the only way you could really resolve it while they remained together, I guess. Because the healthiest thing would be like, oh, you want to murder me to save your friend. I don't think this is a healthy relationship. So last question, and Alex, I'm going to ask this one to yourself. How do you classify this play? I don't really feel that it's a comedy or a tragedy. It would definitely be a comedy to me. Yeah, I think so. like it still ends with marriages. Um, there's not, especially the way it was meant to be written or meant to be read, I guess. Like there isn't really a tragic element to it. Nobody dies, right? No so, one dies. You're you're right, and it does have some of those comic tropes and the clown and everything else yeah. all in there. But just like the way we would read it nowadays, first of all, we had that debate about Porsche at the end. But more more importantly, the thing that everyone pick up on is the treatment of Shylock. It's very hard yeah. to see that as being funny now. I think a lot of people would have, um, you know, would re- would read that now and find a lot of those things quite sad. Yeah. And that big moving dialogue he gives, like maybe it's a little bit of a tragic comedy. But you're right, no one dies. Shylock nearly does. So yeah, whereas I would call it. A problematic play, I would not just dis- I would not uh, identify it as a problem play within mm-hmm. Shakespeare. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Well, I think I think that's us done. Um, if anyone's made it to the end, thanks, <laughs> thanks for listening. And um, yeah, that's us. Are we doing another? We didn't talk about this. Are we done? Is Shakespeare finished? <laughs> <laughs> we might try out some others, but stay posted. All right, have a Shakespearean day. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 